Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in the studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Uh, I just want to come out at the start of the show. Uh, any issues or complaints about this show should be directed to Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Facts. Well, we'll be deep diving in on that a little later in the show. And conspicuous by his absence yet again, your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Pad, where did we get the last text from him from? Uh, He's down in Tampa, Florida. Allegedly, he was one of the zombies we saw on WrestleMania Backlash on Sunday. I thought that was him. Yeah. The one over on Hard Cam. Yeah. Oh, that explains a lot. I I think he was one of the ones that uh, ended up pulling John Morrison into the depths of hell. That's our coach. You definitely want to interact with him. Along with the rest of the panel, you can find all our links, the T Public Store, Parlay Points, new blogs are coming, and so much more at odphpodcast.com. Definitely head on over there, join the conversation on social media. We are extremely active on Twitter. We like to interact with everybody because we have a lot to break down in the land of sports. So let us get diving in. Kicking off this edition of the podcast, we have to recap a new champion in the lightweight division of the UFC. Mm-hmm. This past weekend was UFC 262, live from Houston, Texas. On pay-per-view, we did the live reactions on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. We now know who is the heir to the throne left by Habib, who mm-hmm. vacated it after putting on the impressive run that he did. Pad, let's break down the card, shall yeah, we? Yeah, and, and just before we get into breaking down the card, I got one little thing to say to Dana White. And this isn't in any, you know, I'm not calling him out. I'm not taking a shot at Dana White. Just something I want to say. Uh, at the post-fight press conference Dana had, I know at one point he said that top to bottom, this was a great card. Uh, sir, uh, all due respect, were you watching the same card we were? Because uh, you go back and if you were watching the live stream we had on twitch.tv slash 607podcasts, we were all very critical of the third fight in this card, that it was a snooze fest. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, no, I would say, by and large, card was good. Uh, the exception being that third fight, because that third fight, legitimately, if I had not had a energy drink, would have fallen asleep. It was a rough one to watch because the fight le- fights leading up to it, we're definitely on point. Well, so, yeah, you look at just the prelims alone, submission, uh, TKO, split decision, uh, submission. Yeah, Jacare's arm got broke. Yeah, Jacare's arm got broke. You know, then you lead off the main card, knockout, unanimous decision. So, like, that, was, that was a hot card. It was a hot card, too, especially the knockout going on with Barbosa and Burgos. Let's say earned them both uh, $75,000 uh, with the Fight of the Night Award. And rightfully so, because that's how they kicked off the main card in the featherweight division, and Edwin Barbosa looked on point. Mm-hmm. He looked very good. Him and Bergeros were going back and forth. This was a battle that, in front of a live crowd, and I can't stress it enough, when they're the fighters are back in front of the live crowd, they're definitely trying to leave it all on the table. Say an announced crowd of 16,005. Yes, and Houston was definitely loud for him. They were bringing the action back and forth, and Barbosa won with one of the weirdest strikes we've seen mm-hmm. because it was a delayed knockout. Yeah. 
And I we've seen this before when fighters have thrown liver kicks. Yeah, like Dennis Seaver used to do this all the time. We'll say it. if you go if you go look on the uh, subreddit r slash MMA, somebody put together like a short compilation video of some that have happened through the years, and like it, it happens, but it's not very common. No, it's definitely not very common. So, like I say, you've only seen that happen in the liver kicks. That's the only time I've ever seen it. But Barbosa hit him with like an overhand right. Yeah, and you saw Burgos got back. He's, he's standing there looking like he's ready to scrap. Yep, he took a couple steps back, and all of a sudden you see the eyes roll up in his head, and he drops. Yep. And Barbosa goes and finishes the fight, so it was a solid win for him, especially being in the featherweight division where I figured he'd be running through more competition at this stage. I mean, Barbosa, we all know from the lightweight division, has a highlight reel that will be forever shown throughout the UFC and MMA. Uh huh. KO. So that being said. I expected him to do a lot more, but, you know, he's back on the winning ways in the featherweight division, so a long way to go up from there. Yeah, so because I'm just looking at the uh, featherweight division rankings. Currently, he is ranked number nine. He's up uh, four spots from his previous ranking. Ahead of him, he's got Dan Ige, Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, Calvin Qatar, Chan Sung Jung, Yar Rodriguez, Brian Ortega, Max Holloway, and then the champion is Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah, so a couple more fights. He could put a yeah. win streak together. He can jump right in there. A couple I mean, more highlights like that one. Shit. Oh, absolutely. But that's what he needs to do because in the featherweight division, I know it gets overlooked a lot for the lightweights. Yeah. 145 not pound the, not division. The, not the sexiest division. It hasn't been. I mean, obviously, we've gone through the champions of Jose Aldo, and obviously Conor McGregor has been the champion there. Max Holloway, and mm-hmm. now Alexander Volkanovsky is there. They've definitely had their fair share of great champions. Yeah. So if you want to get in that title contention, you got to do something that really makes you stand out. This win over Burgos was definitely a big move for Barbosa. Oh, yeah. So I we'll kind of have to wait to see where we go from there. Yeah. Next up. Uh, was in the women's flyweight division where you had uh, Caitlin Chukagan taking on Vivian Araju. Yep. Uh, and Caitlin emerged victorious, winning by unanimous unanimous decision. Yeah, no arguments about here. Chukagan no. looked phenomenal in this and definitely outclassed Araju. There was nothing really too much to write home about. I don't want to say it was a snooze fest like the third fight, which we're going to just skip over. Cause... Yeah, it, it was a snooze fest. Like you had uh, unanimous decision, 30-27, 30-27, 29-28, snooze fest. Yeah, it was a very, very easy snooze fest. It was a catchweight snooze fest. Yes, but Chahagan, though, definitely put on it. was a good back-and-forth competition. Yeah. And she got the win via this unanimous decision. But like I said, she looked like she was outclassing Raju. Chahagan was just making all the points matter where she did. And like I said, she dictated the pace a lot. Yeah. So when you do that, you're going to win those easy decisions. And I don't want to say easy decisions, but when you read them on the judge's scorecard, you're like, okay, how'd they come about this? Well, if you watch the fight, it definitely was. Yeah. We've already talked about the third fight. We're just glossing past that because trust us. It's not good. It's not good, and we are not going to sit there and waste your time about that. I'd rather get deep diving into the Mm co-main. So. That was in the lightweight division uh, where you had Benil Darush taking on Tony Ferguson. And Benil Darush emerged victorious via unanimous decision. Uh, All three judges scoring the fight 30-27. Wow. Uh-huh. This fight definitely surprised me. Tony Ferguson showed up for this. And anybody yeah. who's not familiar with him, he has been a long staple in the UFC, interim lightweight champion at 1.2. He has definitely put on performances. He is a gamer by all the imagination. Like he, there, You know when you see him fighting in the cage, you know what you're going to get. Yeah, oh yeah. Benil Darush has been on a resurgence of late, and I know he's put together an impressive win streak. So seeing how this is going to pan out, this is going to be a big jump up for Darush, and I thought he was going to struggle being in the limelight. Right. I was wrong. Darush looked very comfortable in there. Tony Ferguson definitely was matching him. But when they started scrapping and when they got down to the ground, Darush put him in a leg lock. Yeah. That, my God, I have never heard Tony Ferguson scream in pain Mm -hmm. that much. He did not tap. No. Which goes to show how tough he is. 
but that looked absolutely grimacing. Like it looked like his leg was borderline going to break. Yeah, Darush thought he said it. It goes, he popped, but Ferguson did not tap. He weathered the storm of it. And he was getting that knee yanked out of his socket. Uh huh. I mean, you just look at the stats. Uh, in total strikes, Darush had 76 to Ferguson's 37. Uh, significant strikes, it was 30, 23 for Darush to uh, Ferguson's 15. Uh, and then Darush had three takedowns to uh, Ferguson's none. Sub attempts, uh, it was one to one, you know, and then one reversal on uh, Darush's end. But yeah, no, definitely one sided. But no, like you said, I have no idea how Ferguson's A leg didn't snap and B how he. He didn't tap. Yeah, it was absolutely mind-blowing to me. Like, I thought that he was going to tap. And there was no shame in it, too. Like, I want to say, this was a deep leg lock yeah. that Darush had in him. Like, this was nothing to like to be ashamed about in any which way, shape, or form. No. And now the question goes, all right, Darush is definitely going to get a bump-up in competition. I'm not saying he's going to get a title shot right now. But he's going to get somebody very, very high up the rankings in the UFC. Mm-hmm. The question now becomes, what do you do with Tony Ferguson? That I don't know. I know that he wants to get back in the cage very soon if he right, can. Right. I know that he does not want to end his run in the UFC like this. I know mm-hmm. that Father Time is catching up with him. I mean, obviously, he's had a tremendous history of great performances, but he's also been known for being cursed for the fight that never happened with Habib. Yep. So this was going to be, if he won, he was going to get right back in that title picture. Unfortunately for him, he did not. Yeah. So the question becomes, all right, where do you go with Tony from here? Yeah. That is going to be something, Pat, I don't know. I mean, I'm not seeing on the crystal ball where he ends up. Do you have any feelings about this? Well, I'm just looking at it because we'll get to who's the new champion in a minute. But mm-hmm. you look at the rest of the rankings. Uh, Dustin Poirier is number one. Justin Gaethje is number two. Uh, Darush has jumped up six places, and he's now in the number wow. three. Wow. He's number three position. That's a huge move. I didn't think yeah. he was going up that high. Uh, Michael Chandler is current number four. Conor McGregor, number five. Tony Ferguson, number six. So I'm thinking just because I know basically one through six, pretty much everyone's locked up and tied up with other things other than Chandler and uh, Ferguson. Why not have him face Chandler? Chandler could be an option. I could definitely think that that has a good possibility for him. I don't necessarily know if they want to have him up in that range because, I mean, obviously, with a new champion in the lightweight division, Mm -hmm. there are a couple moving pieces that I think they're having their eye on for being contenders right now. I think, unfortunately, Tony has had some bad luck being on a losing streak. But he's faced the top of the top, though. Losing losing to Justin Gaethje is no slouch. Losing to Charles Oliveira is not a bad thing. But now the question becomes, he did take a very big fall in the rankings. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, he was at five, now he's at six. But for him, that's a big fall, in my so opinion. In the, in the most stacked division in the UFC, that's a fall. Yes. And Darush, I didn't think he was going to shot put it up that high. Because for where I'm sitting about this, Ferguson yeah. had been on a losing streak. I thought Darush, had he won, would get a bump up. He was at nine. I thought he'd get a bump up to about seven, maybe six. Right. No way did I think he was going to fly up to three. No, oh, yeah, but you got to figure he's now jumped past Dan Hooker, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, Tony Ferguson, Conor McGregor, and he's now, uh, and then also uh, Michael Chandler. Mm. That's absolutely mind blowing to me. Like, just reading this is insane. But I don't do the rankings. Like I said, I thought it was a good win for him, but Ferguson 
is a name, but he's not like a big name right now right, currently. Right. Once you've had a couple losses, I mean, unfortunately, is perception is reality. Yeah, and the other thing too, we got to remember with the rankings is they matter as much about as uh, AEWs do. Oh, that's true too. I mean, that definitely is when they want to make some fights happen. And no, and it's not a, a knock against Darush. This is not a slight against him at all. I'm happy he got moved up because this was a great performance by him, and this is probably the best I think I've seen him fight. Mm-hmm. I just think that's going from nine to three is a big jump because it's not like he took out the number two guy in the division. No. He took out the number five, yep. who had been on a losing streak. Yep. So it's a for, feather in your cap, but it's not exactly like a giant feather. Well, it's, I think the name value will sell it alone, but for him to get up there, well, we're going to be breaking down after we could talk about the main event where everybody's going to kind of fan, you know, flame out here. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's just so many fires you can go ignite here with them, so it's just a matter of where you want to light that flame. And for Ferguson, I think you got to keep him around the seven, eight, nine range. You know, if he's going to make a run, put him against one of yeah, those guys. Yeah, and the thing of it is, though, is like we said, if he loses, another title contention is likely not in the cards. Yeah, I don't. Well, think... Unless he goes on a ridiculous run. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would not mind seeing him fight Islam Malachev. Yeah, yeah, Malachev. I think would be a great fight for him. I just, I think he's already booked, though. I think I was reading that he might have a fight lined up ahead of time. But if not, I think that's a fight you do as well, too, because if Ferguson is, wants to remain amongst the elite, that's where you put him. So we'll have to wait and see about that. Yeah. But let us switch now to the big fire in the table, so to speak, the one that brought everybody to the dance, the lightweight title. Yeah, so this was for the vacant lightweight title uh, between Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira. And Oliveira defeated Michael Chandler uh, via TKO 19 seconds into the second round. Wow. But this yeah. was all about, wow, what an amazing fight. I don't even care it was two rounds. Michael Chandler coming over from Bellator has been nothing but box office. Yeah, and dominated the absolute hell out of Oliveira in the first round. Yeah. If you say otherwise, you're lying. No, Oliveira was definitely on the back heels during that first round. He was game, though. I mean, he did oh, not yeah. back down. And for being the guy that a lot of people consider the underdog because he's not a flashy name, in that division. No. People that watch the sport, we know who he is and we know what he's capable of. Right. Throwing hands with Michael Chandler, not the smartest move in my opinion. No. I think the game plan should have been take the chance on the ground where Oliveira is an absolute beast. Uh-huh. But this one, though, I was surprised that Chandler, one, got out of the first round without knocking out Oliveira because I thought yeah, a couple it times. Was, it was close. It was close. I thought he was going to finish him. But to see how Oliveira composed himself and basically had the memory of an elephant yeah and just went right back to business and took out chandler knocking him out absolutely wild scenario yeah. to see yeah because that that that's the mind in, in the kind of the fortitude of a champion to get rocked in the first round almost get beat in the first round to come back and in literally the drop of a hat knock your opponent out yes because for a lot of guys they take that second round and they might take a step back. They might be a little more cautious and a little more worried that, oh, I almost got knocked out. I might want to take a step back and really reassess what they're doing and try and figure this out. He get like, nope, I got this. Boom. Well, I think for Oliveira being in that moment, he needed to deliver. Like you can't yeah. sit there and think about what happened in the last round because let's face this, hypothetically saying Chandler wins this one outright. Yeah. How fast do you think Oliveira is getting another title shot? Uh, faster than our heads can spin. You really think he was going to get one fast? Yeah, depending on depending on how the fight went and injuries or whatnot, you know, depending on how it went, I could see it happening. See, the only reason I say it wouldn't be that fast, and this is not against a slight against Oliveira. I, I am a very big Oliveira fan because he shows up for fights. Yeah. But looking at that division, you got Dustin Poirier, 
fighting Conor McGregor. So that's one through five. You got Justin Gaethje, who nobody has any idea what he's up to. Yeah. He's just training with Kamaru Usman and he's Francis Ngannou. Just, uh, to borrow a line from 50 Cent, he's just patiently waiting. Yeah. So he's sitting up there. And then, obviously, you had Tony Ferguson in the discussion pr- prior to this. And you have some up-and-comers rising through the ranks. If Oliveira, who has not been exactly a marquee name, lost. And, like, let's say he lost bad. Let's say he got knocked out first round. Oh, if he lost bad for knockout first round, I, uh, yeah, I don't see a rematch. Yeah, I don't think it would happen. I no. think I think if this was a nice five-round battle. Yeah. Then, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, can, oh, you, can, yeah. you can definitely run it back with him. Yeah. But I think in his case, it took him so long to get that title shot because he was getting looked over. Let's not lie about oh, this. Oh, yeah, he he broke – I know Ariel Helwani said he broke a record held by Michael Bisping for, like, most fights before he won a championship. Bisping went 28 fights before he won a championship. This was Oliveira's 31st. Yeah, so to get to this level where he finally got his opportunity, Oliveira had this winner-go-home mentality, yeah. which he needed to. And it's not to say Chandler wasn't ready for this fight. He came out swinging as well. It's just a matter of Oliveira got the better opportunity to win this one. Yeah, I mean, Oliveira's currently 31 years old. He turns 32 in October, so you know you know he doesn't have that many more years ahead of him. You know, so And, and let's face it, it was on his 31st fight. You only got so long, and you know you don't know what's going to happen. And if you go on a on a streak and lose a couple fights, you're going to be gone before you get your opportunity. Well, that's why we're also talking about how Tony Ferguson's already getting written off by a lot of people. Yeah, I just think at his age, Ferguson's going to have a very hard uphill battle, uh-huh. especially with how stacked that lightweight division is. But it's yeah. always that stacked. Like, that's the one thing the UFC always has in its corner. The 155 pound division is always the toughest one to fight in, mm-hmm. bar none. Bar none. So for anybody to make a run there, you got to be the elite of the elite. Well, I'd say lightweight and then heavyweight. Just because the heavyweight. No. Heavyweight's getting stacked now. Heavyweight. Well, I just mean from the fact that like it's hard to defend the belt multiple times. In yes. The heavy, in the heavyweight division, obviously there have been exceptions, but like the the uh, majority of those cases are one title defense and then you lose. Yeah, I agree with you about that. So this is one of the scenarios where you have to win impressively to be noticed. Yeah. Oliveira wins very quietly. Because he's that skilled of a fighter. That's why I said, I don't think he was going to get another title shot right away had he lost. If he lost badly, forget about it. I think, unfortunately. Right. right. I mean, yeah, looking at his uh, results, out of his 31 professional wins, 19 of them are uh, submissions. So yeah. not exactly the sexiest, you know, noteworthy finishes unless you're, you know, a submission specialist and you really like submissions. No, he's definitely put it together. And now he has a very bright future ahead of him. Yeah. But now the question is, where does everybody go from here? You do have Dustin Poirier fighting Conor McGregor. That mm-hmm. is that fight is happening. That is locked and loaded. The winner, I think, is going to get Oliveira. Yeah. Now, do I agree with this? Not necessarily. But I think that you have to make that fight. Dustin Poirier had the opportunity to fight for the lightweight title. Mm-hmm. He chose to go for the money fight with Conor McGregor. Not mad about him. Yeah. You know, do you? Do you? I mean, because let's face it. You love him or hate him, Connor generates that buzz. Uh-huh. He generates that box office. Uh-huh. You get paid if you fight Connor. This is true. So I'm not mad at him about that, but if he wins, he gets the title shot, I think. Yeah. And then I think if Connor wins, get ready for that hype train. Yeah. Because they'll put him in that title contendership. I, I think the only thing that would make me wonder about that is okay, whoever wins between uh, Poirier and Connor, yes, title shot makes total sense. The only thing I would wonder is what happens if you have some sort of extended medical suspension? Would you then insert Justin Gaethje in the meantime? Yes. Because what I think they should do in this scenario is I think 
you have Justin Gaethje fight Michael Chandler. Sure. I think you book that one. Chandler wants to go immediately. I know that he does not want to take any time off. He is asking the UFC to give him whoever. He does not care. He wants to fight ASAP. And that's a smart move by him. Not saying that he needs to, but I think that he understands the gravity of the situation he's in. He took a very bad loss. But it was a not a bad loss in the sense of how he lost. Mm-hmm. But he took a bad loss because going into this, coming right from Bellator, he was the hot free agent. He had an impressive debut. He wants to continue that momentum going. Right. You got to book him in there against somebody who better than Justin Gaethje, which I will tell you this. That fight could be fight of the year. Oh, yeah. Because that is going to be all violence all day and is not going to be for the tame of heart. So give it to me. Yeah. I wanted to see that. Now, if you have a medical suspension that Connor or Dustin, the winner, can't fight, right? then you put Gaethje in that fight and you have to put that on the back burner. Then I would say you could do that Darush Chandler fight because Darush is the big X factor here. The right. fact he got bumped up that high after beating Tony Ferguson, you'd almost, almost have to think that he would fight the loser of Connor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. Yeah, you would think. I mean, that would be the logical booking I would do. That if you're going to hot shot that Roosh up that high, they're thinking about him as a possible contender. Right. Now, do you make him against Justin Gaethje? I mean, that's a maybe. But I think you also have to see, okay, what fight makes the most sense? Chandler is only a four. You could do Darush yeah. against Chandler. But between those four gentlemen yeah. that we talked about, Gaethje, Darush, Poirier, Connor, you have your guesses of what you want to do. And, it, and it's hard to book some of this and kind of fantasy book some of this just because I was doing some Google searching while Ken was talking. Nothing has come down yet about medical suspensions, mm-hmm. which isn't to say there are none, just there might be some and we just don't know it yet. Right. I think, any, if anything, Chandler uh, would only have like a, a normal one. Yeah. Uh, a very short one, but it would be something that he would go in because he didn't really take too no, much damage, but no. he just took a bad – he took a knockout shot. But they'll do the proper suspensions for that. But I'm sure he can go back in. Gaethje, like I said, is just waiting in the wings, so it depends on who they want to feed him. Uh-huh. And then after that is just a matter of what will happen with Poirier-Connor. And I don't want to say the division is going to get held up. No. But it kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is, but that's just the situation, there. The, the hand they've been dealt. Yes, and I think that they'll make a quick turnaround pending how that fight ends. It's held up now, but once you get one or two fights done and then in through, then it kind of the logjam is gone. Yeah. Because, I mean, other than that, like I said, I put Gaethje in there in a heartbeat. Oh, absolutely. I think that he's definitely well deserved that title shot. And then to see what they want to do with Connor and Poirier, like I just, I fear they're just going to hotshot Connor in there because, well, he's Connor. He's Connor. And not to say he's not worth the title shot. But I know for everybody that's criticizing Chandler about getting the opportunity, look, Chandler's a former champion from another federation who came in and absolutely destroyed Dan Hooker. Mm-hmm. And he was one of your top guys so in that he's, division. He's, I don't know what he was then. He's still in top ten. He's still in top ten. I think he was four at the time, and Chandler came in and just ran through him like a buzzsaw. Chandler deserved that title shot. Oh, absolutely. So it's completely fine for him to say, and he was saying even in the uh, post-fight presser, Within a year, I'll have that belt. I believe he's him. focused on I it. Believe I, him. I believe him too. I think he's definitely going to be champion within a year. I just don't know when because yeah. we got to see how these fights shake out. But there's so much uncertainty for the UFC lightweight division. This is why I love seeing that you don't have a division held up by no, Connor who's going to box. Yeah. yeah, and that drama that goes on with it. And obviously with Habib now in the rearview mirror, watching you know everything go by for now. For now, which I don't believe, listen. 
Habib for me is like Favre was in some of those later years after he left Green Bay. Like, I will not believe he's retired until he hits the age of like 50. And even then, I won't believe it. The only fight I think that he would come back for is uh, Nostradamus. No, he'd fight Dog. I think he'd fight Dog in a heartbeat. I think he would fight Connor. Because yeah. it's an easy payday. I, listen. It sells itself. I would say this to Coach if he was here right now, too. Habib would maul Connor. Again. Again. Uh-huh. And he would do it for five rounds just for fun. Uh-huh. No belt. Yeah. You don't have to put anything on the line. He would come in and just. He'll he'd, do, he'd do it for free. Yeah. He'd do it, and then he'd just drop the belt in the middle of the ring and say, I'm going home again. I just want to let you know your champion is a paper champion, in my opinion. Yeah. He, no, he'd do it. He would, because Con- Connor was kind of somewhat respectful and somewhat polite about it for a time, and mm-hmm. then that facade lifted. And he talked his talk. Well, the amount of bad blood they got, and like, listen, you can say whatever is about hyping up a fight. Habib is a different cat. Mm-hmm. He does not get down with that kind no, of stuff. No, he's not. So the fact Connor did that, that would be the only fight to make Habib come out. And if Connor hypothetically wins, like let's say he gets the shot against Oliveira and wins, if he even hints about fighting Habib. He's going to mention him but with maybe without mentioning his name. Yeah, but he does like I he's said. He's going to if if Connor beats Oliveira, if Connor beats Poirier and then goes on to fight Oliveira and beats Oliveira. I can see him being like, "Oh, I'm a better champ than Habib." I can also see him going, "Oh, yeah, I'm a better champ than that than that other guy." Oh yeah, he'll who, do who something. decided to win and run away. He'll do something and I tell you what, he does not want to have Habib come back cuz Habib will maul him. It won't even be close. This is a Habib with time off, who's rested, who's, uh-huh. who's healed. And the fact that you want to set him off to come back, listen. That's, no, that, that's a hand you. That's a mouth you don't want to stick your hand in. No, definitely not. But there's going to be a lot of questions that will be getting answered over the next couple months with the UFC. But we have a new champ in Charles Oliveira. I'm excited about that. And we have to see where the chips are all going to fall after this. So ODPH Society, we're asking you, how do you think UFC 262's fallout is going to go? Do you think Justin Gaethje is now going to get the title shot against Charles Oliveira? Or do you think Poirier-Connor is going to dictate everything and then the fights are all going to take place? Let's do matchmaking, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Wednesday Pull List, your friendly neighborhood geek podcast hosted by two old friends. My name is Lex. And I'm Simon. Come check us out for all your comic book reviews, collectible news, and all your geeky nerd news that you're looking for throughout your week. Dropping new episodes every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Check us out on all our social media at Wednesday Pull. Back for another segment on this edition of the OTPH Podcast, and in time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling! So this past Sunday night, we had WWE WrestleMania Backlash. Just drop the WrestleMania from that next year, please. But it's WrestleMania Backlash. I mean, Backlash, just saying Backlash was already implied because it's the very next pay-per-view after WrestleMania, so... Makes sense. You don't really need to say it. But they might just start doing it like SummerSlam Backlash. Great Balls of Fire Backlash. Yeah, the greatest pay-per-view of all time. Uh Uh-huh. No, unfortunately, though, it was what it was this past Sunday, the reset of WrestleMania, which if you're not too familiar with, the WWE does this always as their follow-up to the WrestleMania pay-per-view. So a lot of times you see return matches from the greatest show on earth. And this one definitely was a mixed card. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of people online were very debating about what they thought of it. So we're going to break down the card, give you our opinions about the WWE's return to pay-per-view. So yeah. here we go. Yeah, so uh, the first match we had on the card actually took place on the pre-show where it was Sheamus, who is the current U.S. champion, 
had an open challenge basically to the entire locker room and, and uh, Ricochet decided to answer the call uh, and Sheamus emerged victorious, defeating Ricochet by pinfall to retain his U.S. championship. Match was what it was. Uh, I thought it was good to finally see Ricochet on something that wasn't main event. I agree. I didn't even remember he was on the roster. Yeah. Uh, How and, sad is that? Yeah, no, very sad. And I just one bit of issue with the match. The ending was funny where he took Sheamus's hat and coat, but I thought he was turning heel. I'm not going to lie. Like, he started attacking. Like, matches over. Sheamus is standing. Ah, oh, Victoria's holding up the belt, holding up his arm. And then Ricochet comes out and starts attacking him. And I'm like, oh, are we turning Ricochet heel? Okay, I'm here for this. And then he takes the hat and jacket and he walks away laughing. And I'm like, oh, he's just being Ricochet. Okay. Yeah, I figured he was either trying to do his best uh, Jake Paul oh. with the Floyd Mayweather take oh. the hat thing. That You know what? That might be likely. I hadn't considered that. Yeah, that, that came to mind the minute I saw that because I thought he said, got your hat. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, no. I, I completely forgot about that. That seems more likely. Yeah, but Ricochet, though, it was good to see him back. He looked in great shape yeah. for being the first time I've seen him in a long time. And I know they had a rematch on Monday night, yep. which was very good. Albeit, though, I thought Sheamus blew his knee out. They did a Spanish fly from the top rope. Yikes. And he landed like awkwardly, like it came down before his body. Oh, yeah. And just you saw him immediately grab it. So I don't know what the severity of it is moving forward. I'll be though Ricochet took one of the nastiest bro kicks to the face Yo. I have seen because I was like, okay, this, that might have been a receipt. I don't know. I'm yeah. just my opinion watching at home. Yeah. But this match did what it was supposed to do. I mean, obviously a quick hype match to get, yeah. get everybody watching at home excited for the night. Yeah. So then the uh, main card started and the first match you had on was for the Raw Women's Championship where you had uh, Rip, Rhea Ripley defending her belt against Asuka and Charlotte Flair in a triple threat match. And you had Rhea Ripley uh, win to retain her uh, Raw Women's Championship. Okay. Love this match. The match was better than I thought it was going to be because I was really nervous. It was, you know, it was going to be LOL Charlotte wins. Yes, that was why. I was happy to see Rhea win. Uh, I will say Charlotte's 101 Dalmatian slash uh, Cruella outfit was awesome cool yeah it was, as somebody who grew up watching those movies and enjoying those movies that was cool it was cool i mean the rest of the match though they did miss a couple spots here and there yeah i know oscar looked really out of place for the double pin say more and more people are growing aware to uh charlotte's ongoing moonsault problem yes so i thought that did take away from the match a little bit but this one they definitely had good chemistry together i just didn't think it was like a five-star match like no, we've seen but it wasn't a barn burner but it was it was better than it, i thought it was gonna yeah be. i mean it wasn't a it wasn't a a one-star match by any means. No, like no. It, it was somewhere that I was just happy that WWE kept Rhea with the belt. Cause yes. I was fearing. Yeah. We're going to go with Charlotte. Gunn. Yeah. Like, Cause Vince, Vince relying on the old hands and who better than a flare. Yeah. And there's nothing against letting Rhea run with the belt. I mean, she is going to be the cornerstone of your women's division for yeah. her and Bianca Belair. Going to be yeah. the, the two major stars of those divisions moving forward for many years to come. And to see Rhea get that time that now she can build on a feud with Charlotte Instead of like what happened egregiously last year at WrestleMania mm-hmm. where Rhea lost the NXT title. I mean, this is going to be something that I think that they can definitely help move forward. So I didn't really have too much of an issue with this match. I mean, like I said, it wasn't exactly an amazing match in comparison to some no. of the others on the card. No. But it definitely wasn't the worst. No, I'm, like I said, glad Rhea won. It's smart to have her win and, and have a good, good run because, let's face it, Asuka, she's in WWE now. I don't know anything, and this isn't me insinuating anything, but you don't know when she's going to decide, all right, you know, I'm, I'm good, I'm done, I want to retire or leave WWE. In Charlotte, let's face it, I wouldn't put it past her to get a couple movies and then go on to do Hollywood stuff. 
Well, it's always been talked about that she is. She's got the Walking Tall project. Yeah. That is based off the Rocks movie. I yeah. know it's a remake from one way back one, too. So I know she has that lined up. I don't know the scheduling for that. Right. So. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, Charlotte's probably going to tie her dad's title record within the year or something crazy like that. But she, like I said, she's probably not far off going to Hollywood and doing that stuff. So you need to build these stars because, let's face it, at some point, probably very soon down the line, Charlotte's not going to be there to walk through the doors and save you. Mm-hmm. And they're on the, the right path, though, with Rhea yeah. and, and, and Bianca Belair. So like I say, and a and completely stacked NXT women's division oh, that God. that is the best in wrestling right yeah. now. Bar none. Bar none. Yeah. But that being said, it was a good win for Rhea. Yep. And let's go on to the card. Yeah, so the next one was uh, the matchup for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships where you had the, uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, or I guess as they're called, the Dirty Dogs, which is a weird team name. Yeah. I don't care how you spin that. That's weird. Defending their belts against Dominic and Rey Mysterio, uh, the father-son duo looking to become the first team in WWE history, the first father-son team to win the Tag Team Championships, although I'm probably sure there's been some other instance in history that they're just not acknowledging. I don't know. Somebody probably look it up. Yeah. Uh, but you had, but I guess there was an, an angle that was done on Friday where Dominic was attacked by the Dirty Dogs, uh, and they were he, he was hit with a plastic wrapped something. I forget what it exactly was, but everyone was like, "Oh no, that piece, that large object that was wrapped in plastic and made so that it won't hurt anybody." And they threw it at him, and and he he wasn't medically cleared to wrestle them fight and I'm wrestle the match. And I'm thinking, oh, are we going to get a fun, you know? One night call up for Rey Mysterio, tag him in. Maybe somebody from NXT give them the rub. You know, Roderick Strong, of course, quit NXT. I was thinking maybe Rod. Yeah, we haven't seen Roddy on TV. I was in a thinking. Long time. I was thinking maybe Roddy would show up because he quit, quote unquote, NXT. We haven't seen him. Maybe oh, maybe he shows up and teams with uh, Ray for one night. But no, Ray decided to take on the Dirty Dogs, uh, uh, two on one handicap match. And I'm sitting there going, and it's going along, going along, going along. And I was like, Dominic's gonna uh, Paul Pierce this, isn't he? And, and for those who might not know, uh, NBA playoffs, I forget what year, 2008, 2009, something, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Paul Pierce was, quote, unquote, injured. Of course, we know that's not the case now. Yeah. Uh, left, came back, and I'm like, Dominic's going to Paul Pierce this and come back. And like, oh, hey, I'm here with you. And sure enough, he did. Uh, and you had Dominic and Ray uh, defeat Ziggler and Rude to become your and new SmackDown Tag Team Champions uh, and to become the first father-son tag team champions in WWE history. So this match was what it was. Yeah, it was. I'll, I'll be honest. I had zero interest in this match. It was okay. It was okay. I mean, the thing about SmackDown's tag team division is... It's lacking. It's probably the worst part of their show. And SmackDown has been on fire lately. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to say it's it's the worst part of the show... I'll say it, for, for a show where you've got the Street Profits, who mm-hmm. are a very good tag team who came up as a tag team, it's a little odd that you're having a feud uh, for your tag team belts between, let's face it, I know Ray and Dominic are father-son, so there is that chemistry, but they're still a thrown-together tag team going up against a thrown-together tag team. Yeah, it definitely is a weird thing to see. And I mean, the Dirty Dogs are thrown together. It's a terrible name. I hate saying that. Terrible. I forget why they even explained it. And I don't want to know. I, I just don't even care. Like, I'm sorry, I want to see Robert Roode back with the robe and come out to Glorious. Yep. Anything else is not doing anything for me. Uh-huh. Unless you pair him with James Storm, then I'll be okay. Oh, all right. But obviously there's contracts involved, X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. But this match, though, like you touched upon, I mean, coming out, doing the Paul Pierce and Dominic, I'm sorry, I just don't think he's ready for the main roster. No. I wouldn't mind seeing him in NXT. I wouldn't mind seeing him get a little more reps down there. Yeah. Because I think that he's thrown into a lot of situations uh-huh. that 
He's he's learning on the fly, but when I see him in the ring, I'm just I'm not inclined to watch. And I mean, I, the smart thing at least they're doing is I agree with you 100. He should do a run in NXT. Hell, even NXT UK. Why the hell not? Yeah, that'll you be know, something. I'd be but okay I, with that. but I think the smart thing they're doing is they're putting him in feuds with veteran hands that you know will make him look good. Because let's face it, who the hell on that on that I won't even say roster. Who the hell in that company sells better than Ziggler? Yeah, exactly. Bar none. Uh, you know, putting him in a match with veteran guys who know what they're doing can make him look good. So you know, putting him in a, in a feud with Ziggler and Rude, and then before that was Seth. They're putting him in with people who are, are safe and will make him look good and will make the match look good. Yeah, and that's a smart thing to do. I mean, WWE knows about that. And for Ziggler and, and Rude, unfortunately, they're not getting world title runs. No. But if you pair them together, they can make something happen. It just kind of seems like when they need somebody to really get somebody over, they go to Ziggler Yeah. and whoever he's paired with. And I don't have an issue with that. No. I just think that Dominic just, I don't know, he just... Looks out of place to me, in yeah. my opinion, on the main roster just now. I mean, yeah, I mean, and it's even not helping that I know the next on, on Monday they were on Sports Nation on ESPN doing an interview, and whoever was interviewing them asked, you know, when was the first time you pinned your father, you know, in like training or something like that, and Ray just goes, oh, it hasn't happened yet. And yeah, like really, you got to bury the kid on TV. You know, Dominic came back and was like, oh, but that's all right. I was already taller than him at 13 years old. Yeah, I mean, they're going to definitely do something like that because, you know, eventually they're going to have a match. Yeah, probably Mania at some point. Yeah. Which, you know what it'll probably be? It'll probably be like a, you know. It'll be Ray's retirement it'll match. Be a, it'll be a uh, win or you have to retire match. Yeah, but I can't be too mad about it. No. Though. I mean, Ray's done an amazing tenure in his entire wrestling career. The, li- the list of things Ray hasn't done is probably non-existent at this point. Right, and I do love he came out as Batman and Dominic came out as Robin doing yeah. a little cosplay there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Like I said, just the tag team division needs a lot of work in SmackDown, but they look like they might be in the right direction with the Usos back, so we'll, we'll yeah. have to wait and see on that. Yeah. Next up. Uh, was between The Miz and Damian Priest uh, in a lumberjack match, and this is either the funniest match you've ever seen or the match that set the industry back 100 years. Uh, so Damian Priest was taking on The Miz in a follow-up from their matchup at WrestleMania, minus John Morrison, minus Bad Bunny. Uh, and it was a lumberjack match. All right, makes sense. You know, we'll see how this goes. Uh, we found out earlier in the night or earlier in the day, Dave Batista, of course, one of the stars of the upcoming Netflix film, Army of Zombies. Army uh, of the Dead. Army of the Dead, thank you. Army of the Dead uh, said that, oh, sorry, I can't be there, but some of my friends will be there. And I'm thinking, hmm, are, are we going to have a call? I was thinking maybe some co-stars. Yeah. Obviously, Dave, very busy guy these days. I figured, well, maybe some of the co-stars from the movie will, will make an appearance. Maybe even Zack Snyder himself. Mm-hmm. Who, who knows? Yeah. Do you know? Because they like, WWE likes to do that backstage, the stars show up. Sure. They're involved. I'm thinking, oh, maybe we'll get some co-stars. Uh, was not the case uh, because uh, John Morrison and Miz concoct a plan. They're like, "Oh, we got to go talk. You, you got to go talk to the lumberjacks. We got to get them in our favor." You know how lumberjacks are; they're they're fickle. You know, you never know what they're gonna do. So Morrison, Johnny Drip Drip, oh, I love that name. Amazing. That amazing name's amazing. Uh, goes to the lumberjack locker room to kind of talk with them. Opens the door, and lo and behold, it is not uh, wrestlers from backstage who don't have anything planned that night, as per usual. It is a horde of zombies, uh, one of which looked for, uh, very familiar for us from uh, the Excite Wrestling days or even those of you who've been to CZW. Yeah, definitely an old friend uh, apparently looked at that it was in the crowd there, but, you know, 
Uh, I think it was because I looked at his socials. Uh, he did post it was him. All right, then we we can say it was we, him. We, we can say it was him. Uh, one was Joe Gacy. Yes, who we know from Excite Wrestling. Definitely big fans of him here on the ODPH. So yeah. it's cool seeing him being zombified. Yeah. And I mean, this match. Listen, I fucking died. I was loving it. It's wrestling. Yeah. I mean, we live in a day and age where we have the fiend Alexa Bliss. Yeah. And a lot of weird shit happens. Yeah. Like, do we not for like, do we not understand that this is pro wrestling? I mean, AEW has had their own stuff too. Yeah. yeah. Let's not lie. Impact Wrestling kills off somebody every six months. Right. And and I'll and let me just say, if you didn't enjoy the match, that's fine. Like everyone has their own tastes and their own legs. I liked it probably because I enjoy The Walking Dead. You know, that might have something to do with it. But I didn't take this serious. I was like, okay, this is funny. You know, it was a little cheesy that you had uh, the announced team, you know, of Adnan Verk, uh, Corey Graves, and then Byron Saxon run away. And it was weird to have an extended period of time of just dead silence. Mm-hmm. And to have them come back on them, like, oh, oh we're, we're in a safer po- position than we were previously. I'm like, all right, that's a little cheesy. But I enjoyed the match. I thought it was I thought it was funny. So, so if you didn't like the match, that's perfectly fine. You are uh, uh, that is your opinion, and that is perfectly fine. And I'm not gonna sit here and say you can't say you didn't like the match. What I take issue with is if you sit here and say that's the worst thing to ever happen in pro wrestling. Like some people, I won't name names. Yeah, have, have uh, well-known people have said online. Listen, was it the best thing I've ever seen? No. Was it the worst thing I've ever seen in pro wrestling? Hell no. To sit there and say this was the worst thing. This person said, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in pro wrestling. Somebody replied to that person said, really? The the worst? He's like, I didn't enjoy it, but I wouldn't say it's the worst. And this original person goes, really? Name me something worse. I mean, and that's a long list that you can start at a lot of places. I think starting with certain people on a forklift. Oh, yeah. Forklifts match. Uh, the, a certain turkey coming out of an egg. Yeah, I was going to say, there is a long list, and it does not matter what company you do. They're all guilty. Mimosa matches. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, it is something that you experience. Punjabi in, prison matches. Yeah. Kennel from hell. Yeah. I mean, there has been a lot of bad ideas in pro wrestling. Gen- and don't Gender is world champion. Jinder Rosario is world champion. Eh, it was not bad. Yeah, he was okay. I mean, David Arquette is world champion, even though he's. Yeah, uh, we're big fans yeah. of David Arquette. What was it, Hogan and Jeff Jarrett? Yeah, I mean, that you start getting into like the different bad, bad ideas of what was going on. I mean, obviously the yeah. the that whole bash of there's the beach more, there's more to lot, it. Yeah. there's more to it. That but it, that was still bad. Oh yeah, it was, it was just bad ideas. When you talk about bad creative, yeah, yeah, there's a yeah. whole list. Like I said, Impact kills off somebody every six months. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> Just watch the programming. It is what it is. But like I say, this match was what it was. Puzzled yeah. why yeah. it happened. And unfortunately, we're now getting reports the Miz tore his ACL. Yeah, so he could be out for the foreseeable future. Reading from an article courtesy of Fightful.com, uh, quote, The Miz could be sidelined for the foreseeable future. According to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, The Miz suffered a torn ACL at uh, WrestleMania Backlash in his Lumberjack match against Damian Priest. It was not confirmed if Miz suffered a full tear or a partial tear. It is not uh, confirmed how long Miz will be out of action. Uh, so the article goes on to say, Priest landed on Miz's knee awkwardly during the match, and Miz was selling the knee throughout the bout. Priest ended up picking the, up the victory. Uh, following the match, a horde of zombie lumberjacks swarmed on Miz and, quote, ate him alive. Uh, Miz was not obviously not seen on uh, WWE Raw. Morrison dedicated his match against Priest to Miz. So, yeah, Miz, uh, now, the, how 
severe the injury is kind of determines how bad it is. If it's a partial tear, we're looking at maybe four, five, six months, although probably on the shorter end, because let's face it, these athletes are freaks in nature and mm-hmm. come back in very short amounts of time. Looking at you, John Cena and the torn pec. Yeah. Uh, if it's a full tear, that's nine months to a year. And at 40 years old, that's not good. It's not good, but he'll definitely come back in, yeah. s- in some fashion, though. Like I say, it's just one of those weird moments that happen. And then yeah. If everybody's worried about, well, they didn't come out as zombies, listen, it would just take Bray Wyatt to do some yeah. magic on yeah. screen and everything goes away or Alexa Bliss. Like, one of the two. Like, they could really write that off. It was just they were yeah. trying to pump the movie for whatever it was, and yeah. here we are. Yeah, and I do appreciate Miz's tweet, though. He did send out a tweet uh, yesterday uh, about noon. Uh, he says, guys, I feel great after last night's match. Promise. And it's a photo of him in his wrestling gear zombified. Oh, that's awesome. It's pretty funny. He's smart about his social media. Yeah. Uh, next up on the matches, you had for the SmackDown Women's Championship, you had Bianca Belair doing her first title defense against uh, Bayley, uh, and you had Bianca Belair emerge victorious to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. Love this match. Yeah. Had no issue with it. I didn't even mind the ending of it. No. I understand that it, the hair was used to be involved in the pin. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah, match was all right. This was perfect to extend the feud because, honestly, you're not getting Sasha Banks back to fight Bianca till SummerSlam, I would say, at the earliest. No, probably not. So why not continue with Bailey? Yeah. Bailey is great. I think that, that she, laugh is annoying as shit. I you know what, but I'm here for it. I am Bailey does no wrong in my eyes. So to see this get extended and I know immediately after the match she was screaming for a replay, they're gonna extend this to Hell in a Cell. I wouldn't doubt that maybe just maybe they would put this match in the hell cell. I could see it. Bailey's been there before. Yeah, I could see it. So I mean, and that'd be a huge. If you don't have any idea about how big WWE is on Bianca Belair, that would be a huge stock boost right there for uh-huh. her if they decide to put her in one of those matches. Uh-huh. I don't know if they would. I think you'll you will get a stipulation for the next match they go through. Yeah. But either way, I'm here for it. Excellent match. And like I said, the ending. I know people were criticizing online about. Look, it is what it is. Yeah. I did not mind it. We just had zombies. I'll be critical facts. about that. Yeah, I ain't going to be facts. critical about this. Uh, the next matchup was for the WWE Championship, where you had Bobby Lashley taking on Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre in a triple threat match. Didn't mind this match. This match was actually my match of the night. Like, don't get me wrong. Roman versus Cesaro, which we'll get to in a minute, was amazing. But I knew what that was going to be, and I knew how that was going to go. This, for me, was match of the night, and I wished it was. Uh, reading off ProfiteDB.com, uh, the match time was listed at 14 minutes, 18 seconds. My only wish with this, and the only thing I wished, my only complaint, wish this would have gone maybe another five minutes. Because I don't think you hit the full crescendo with this. It felt like you were getting towards that crescendo, and it just kind of stopped. That This match was just absolutely batshit insane, including the fucking Drew McIntyre doing a... Michinoku driver. Michinoku driver. I lost my crap on that one. What the fuck? How long have you been able to do that? I literally lost my crap about that. Braun doing a fucking... Uh, bomb, whatever, swanton bomb, bomber, whatever, off their apron? What the shit? Well, I think everybody involved with this match knew that they were getting overlooked about this. Yeah. I And in my heart of hearts, I fully believe this. I think that Lashley and Drew and Braun said, okay, everybody is writing this match off. Let's go out and try stealing the show. Yeah. And everybody was doing moves we haven't seen them do before. No. Braun! bumping and nearly breaking his neck three times uh-huh. because he landed very awkward. Yeah. Drew. And this is just what it is. It's not saying Drew screwed anything up because he didn't. No. Braun's just that big of a guy. Yeah. 
they were hitting each other very hard. They were doing crazy moves. Like I said, Drew is throwing Braun around, and that Michinoku like, driver was... Like was Lashley and Drew hoisting up Braun, jackhammer Goldberg style, and holding him there. Yeah. I'm like, holy fuck, I get you two are strong, but Braun's no small boy. Yeah, no, they definitely had a big monster's ball. In my opinion. I like, almost felt like legitimately I almost fell off my chair. I was losing my shit. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, it was absolutely insane. The only thing I could have done about was uh, the LED boards. I thought that yeah. was kind of, I Because I just think that's so played yeah, out. Yeah, and, and Lashley's done that before. Yeah, like I said, there was nothing really new about that. I, what would have been awesome, and I was kind of expecting that, was they were setting up by the LED board. They were there for so long that I'm like, all right, something's going to happen involving the LED board. What I was banking on was Braun coming like a freight train, as they like to characterize him as, mm. and just barreling through the fucking two of them. And then it's like, holy shit, they're all laying there. What the fuck's going to happen? Yeah, like that would have made more sense about that. But this match delivered. Lashley retains. Yep. And now it looks like he's going to be feuding with Kofi? Kofi, but I think it's going to end up... I think it's Kofi for the interim, but I think it's going to be Drew again, just because there was that shot at the end because Lashley pinned Braun... And Drew was just kind of staring at outside the rings, looking at him seethingly. Then I'm like, it doesn't appear they're done with these two going up against each other. No, I, I fear that we're not, but I would love to see Lesnar come back and challenge Lashley. Yeah, I think, uh, From all reports, he's not signed, so well, maybe. Well, for now, but you know what? I think that everything being reopening slowly in yeah. WWE is yeah. talking about having... Uh, SummerSlam and uh, fans in attendance. Yeah, I'm not doubting Vince saying how much would it take for you to come in one night and tear the house down. Yeah. So we'll have to keep watching forward about that. But yeah. I know Raw is uh, Raw is just tough to watch. Uh, Raw's Raw. Yeah. Uh, and then next up for your main event, you had a Roman Reigns taking on Cesaro to defend the Universal Championship, and duh, Roman uh, retained. Not mad about this match at all. No. Fantastic match. My match of the night. Uh, they definitely told an amazing story. Cesaro, listen, if you weren't sold on him being a main event player, this match proves that he can hang there. Oh, no, yeah. Roman made made Cesaro look good, and I hope finally convinced everyone that Cesaro is deserving of the main event spot. This match was good, but I was far more interested in all the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff going on, you know, with the Usos and Roman kind of throwing him out from ringside type of thing and what's going to go on. Are they going to show up? Are they not? So I was way more interested in that than what actually happened in the ring because I'm like, let's face it, we know Roman's going to win. He's he's not going to drop the belt on a lesser uh, pay per view like Backlash. He's mm. gonna he's gonna it's like a Lesnar. Lesnar ain't gonna drop the belt at Backlash or Money in the Bank or something like that. Lesnar would drop the belt at one of the big pay per views, and Roman's in the same uh, class as that. That he's not going to drop the belt. Here it's going to be SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, or Mania. Mm-hmm. And, and let's face it, Roman. I think it's safe to say now is on one of the best runs a champion has had in recent memory. Oh, facts. He is the main draw of all professional wrestling right now. The work he's been putting in since he's returned has been nothing short of fantastic. That fucking promo he cut on Twitter, like after the card was over and he was on the elliptical. Yeah. What the shit? Yeah, he has stepped his game up that much. So now the question is, where does he go from here? Yeah. A lot of options he can do. I think that Cesaro is not going to be fighting him next time around. That's going to be him and Seth Rollins. In fact, my early prediction is it's going to be Rollins versus Cesaro in Hell in a Cell. I think you get that match in there. Seth, by the way, Seth's suit. How good was that? Seth is stepping his drip game up. That suit game was good. If I can say that. Yes, because otherwise Big Nanny Cool will be yelling at me because he says nobody compares to John Morrison. They might be right. But 
I digress. This match, though, phenomenal. Cesaro yeah. definitely has got a big, big 2021 ahead of him. Uh-huh. And for Roman, I mean, like we said, it's kind of wide open. Yeah. I know they're not going to do money in the bank right away, but I know that that could be a contender possible could down be. the road. You have Edge that's lurking, lurking somewhere. In the, lurking in the wings. And then whatever the real truth is going on with Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I mean, you got Shinsuke in there. Maybe you can go up against Shinsuke. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you do have some options to go through. I mean, I don't think they're going to pull any Jey Uso versus Roman right now. Not yet, no, because it'd still be too close to the whole uh, Roman versus Jimmy. Yes. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways they can go with it. But overall, Roman is still the head of the table doing an amazing work. And he closed out a very solid card of WrestleMania Backlash. Like, I gave right. the grade a B-. Yeah, no, B-minus is fair, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fair. Because, like I said, other than a few miscues and some zombies that, well, quite frankly, nobody needed and nobody really wanted, here we are. Yeah. So it definitely delivered on that. And we'll just have to see what happens in the squared circle moving forward for the WWE. Yeah. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about WrestleMania Backlash? Did you love the card? Did you hate the card? And why? Let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Chris from the Geek Bee Podcast here with my two co-hosts, Trent. What up? And Brandon. Yo, yo. Here at the Geek Peak, we strive to provide you the best content from all across the pop culture multiverse. Think of us as your content concierge, seeking out all the best movies, TV, games, and music to save your valuable time. We have a different adult beverage every week, and we like to keep things light and fresh, so coming out with us. So check us out on all your favorite podcasting platforms. That's Geek Peak. Like a mountain! And check out our site at geekpeakpod.com. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's basketball playoff time for the NBA. Oh, yeah. A lot to be excited about, especially if you are a New York Knicks fan. But I digress. We have to talk about everybody else in the league, I guess, shall we? Yeah. So as we are recording on Tuesday night, the NBA is starting their play-ins to their playoff tournament. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Pad, why don't you break this down? Yeah, so this is going to take some explaining. So if you need to rewind, totally understandable, uh, grab your pen and paper. because, Well, probably pencil at this point. Yes. Because this is a little confusing. Uh, so try and follow along. I'll start off on the Western Conference. So for your playing tournament, uh, your 7 and 8 seed, respectively, are the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, your 9 and 10 seeds are the Memphis Grizzlies and the San Antonio Spurs. Now, with the Lakers and Golden State Warriors series, whoever wins that series goes on to the first round in the NBA playoffs and will face the number 2 seed Phoenix Suns. Uh, the loser of that series will move on to the next round of the playing tournament. Okay. Okay. So then with the Memphis Grizzlies and the San Antonio Spurs, the 9 and 10, uh, the winner of that series will move on to the second round of the playing tournament. The winner of the, that series will then move on to face the Utah Jazz in the first round of the uh, Western Conference playoffs. Hmm. So then over on the Eastern Conference side uh, for the playing tournament, you've got the Boston Celtics and Washington Wizards as the 7 and 8 seed, respectively. Uh, and then you've got the Indiana Pacers and the Charlotte Hornets as the 9 and 10 seeds, respectively. And again, uh, with the 7 and 8 seed, uh, Boston and Washington, whoever wins that seed, uh, game goes on to play the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, whoever loses that matchup moves on to the next round of the playing tournament. Uh, and then with the Indiana Pacers and Charlotte Hornets series, they move on. To, whoever wins that series moves on to the second round of the play-in tournament. Uh, the winner of that second round game 
moves on to face the Philadelphia 76ers in the number one seed in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. That's so confusing. Yeah, like I first when LeBron, I heard LeBron and others complaining about this, I was like, I didn't see it in front of me, so I didn't kind of fully grasp the whole concept. So I was like, what's the issue? Like the NCAA does this every year. What's so confusing about this? But now actually seeing it in front of me, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is kind of confusing. And I just don't get, in my opinion, why we're giving out participation trophies. Yeah. Like this is what it feels like. I understand last year when everybody's at the bubble yeah. and you had to finish out making something of the season. And I get that. And it made sense there. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's been playing at their home arenas. Yep. It is what it is in the current setup. So I sure. don't feel that we need to have a million other games just to come in to make a seventh and eighth seats. I'm sure. sorry. Like it just, it seems excessive to me just to sure. say, Hey, you know, thanks for coming to me. It feels like what baseball did last year where, where and I know the NBA did something similar, but that was because they started and stopped. Baseball went and did an expanded playoffs with their their setup too, but this year they've gone back to the normal allotment of teams in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I imagine this might be something similar where they're trying it out for this year, see how it goes, see how the fans react, and if they need react poorly, which it appears they might be, um, they go back to the way it normally is. Well, my argument about it is this. You look at the teams that are in the – Nine ten range, yeah, sub five hundred records. Yes, yeah, uh, so looking at the Eastern Conference, you bring that up. Uh, the seven seed Boston Celtics are thirty six and thirty six. The Washington Wizards are thirty four and thirty eight. Pacers are thirty four and thirty eight, and the uh, Charlotte Hornets are thirty three and thirty nine. Out west, the Lakers are forty two and thirty. Golden State's thirty nine and thirty three. Uh, Memphis is thirty eight and thirty four, uh, and then the uh, San Antonio Spurs are thirty three and thirty nine. So, with the exception of three teams, they're also 500 records, if I did my yep. math right. Why? Like I say, that just doesn't make sense I mean, to, to me. To be fair, that was also the case with the playoffs last year, where like half of the Western, like most of the Western Conference got in, and they were, and some of them were at sub 500, and the same with the East. Yeah, I mean, so I get, I get that for that perspective, but I'm just sorry, like this is not doing anything to make me get really excited. Like even if the Knicks were in there, right? Like at a nine or ten seed, I'd be like. Like, thanks for showing up, guys. But if you're not at a 500 record, like, we're just having extra extra games, which makes no sense. Other than for TV ratings. And you know yeah. what? Listen, I'm not mad about watching a game, so I'm not going to be complaining too much no. about it. I just don't get it no, at this I, stage. I mean, if you're doing it for ratings, there's only two matchups, I think, of this that give you the, the ratings you're looking for. Obviously, Lakers, Warriors. Oh, yeah. That's going to be money tomorrow. Because that's winner go home, like, you know. 10 p.m. Eastern Standard that, Time. That, you know, that's a big game. That's not a best of seven series. That's a one-game series. Yeah. And then the other one is Boston-Washington. Outside that, okay, yeah, Indiana, Indiana and Charlotte are going to draw in their respective markets, but I don't think the country at large is going to give a you-know-what about that matchup. And then on the other side, you got Memphis and San Antonio, which, again, in their respective markets, they'll draw. They'll care. Mm-hmm. Me, personally, I'm not going to watch those games. No, I'm not going to be too excited about it, especially with Boston losing Jalen Brown there for the season because yeah. he's got to get wrist surgery. Yeah. I mean, that, it takes a little off. I mean, don't, don't get it wrong. I love watching Russell Westbrook play for Washington, but – other than the Warriors game, mm-hmm. I don't really have any interest because it's Warriors, Lakers, it's LeBron versus Steph Curry. Well, LeBron, if he's able to play because he did roll his ankle the other night. Yeah, Again. It's, it's playoffs. Like, in my opinion, if if it's the season is on the line, LeBron will show up. 
It's just it's just how what percentage of LeBron is going to show up. Right, but still just him being on the court I think will be enough to inspire that team. But this is another situation where it's like, okay, he's definitely not going to be ready for a long run in the playoffs. No. That's why the Lakers are in this position because they've had a bad run of injuries this yeah. entire season. Yeah. Same thing for Golden State. So, I, obviously, we do know the storyline there, though. I mean, they've been well documented between LeBron and stuff throughout the, career, the years. This is going to be box office to watch. doesn't mm-hmm. matter how bad the teams are. It's still LeBron versus Steph Curry. This is true. And like I said, even if LeBron's on the sideline, he's still going to motivate those guys, and they're going to leave it all on the court. So that will be a fun game to watch. Yeah. As for Memphis and San Antonio, listen, I go with my guy JT down at East Coast Avengers, Dom and all those guys down there too. You know they're big Memphis fans. I think Memphis is going to run away with this too. I would imagine. So, like, don't get me wrong, Popovich is still coaching San Antonio, but it's not the San Antonio team of old. Yeah, they're not the San Antonio team of old. I'm sorry, they're not. Memphis is hungrier. They're going to definitely show up for this one. And then looking at the Hornets Pacers, I mean, honestly, I'll flip a coin. Yeah. All right, Charlotte. Sure. That's what I'm going to go with on that one. And like I said, had the injury bug not bit the Celtics, I would have taken them. Yeah. But I'm going to say that Russell Westbrook will show up for the Wizards, and then they'll take them there. Yep. And then we get to the rest of the brackets now. Yeah, so uh, out west in the first round of the playoffs, you've got Utah facing whoever ends up being uh, the eight seed. Uh, and then you've got the Phoenix Suns taking on whoever ends up being the seven seed. Uh, and then you've got the Denver Nuggets as the three seed taking on the Portland Trailblazers as the six seed. And then you've got the L.A. Clippers taking on the Dallas Mavericks in your four seed versus five seed. Well, the West is wide open. Yeah. So we have to acknowledge that. That I think that with Utah being the number one, that doesn't really mean anything. No. In my opinion. No. That I think that... You have to take a look at every matchup you have there. And Phoenix, which if it wasn't for the job Tom Thibodeau did, yeah. their head coach should get coach of the year. Yeah. Bar and away none. Well, I know he got well, he got some coaches award today. Not not like the official coach of the year one, but it was like some coaches association. He did get that award today. So he got he got some recognition. Oh, rightfully so. I mean, the job that they've done out in Phoenix, which I know gets slept on a yeah. lot because, well. Well, and let's face it, we know Curry's going to win MVP probably this year. But you got to give a hard look at Chris Paul for that, for this year. Just because you look at Phoenix. You look at Phoenix last year and where they are now and kind of how quickly they've turned around. Yo. Yeah. I mean, no, Chris Paul was the perfect player to go there. I mean, he should be in the MVP talks. Monty Williams, that's the coach's name, he has done a fantastic job finally getting the potential out of this team that has been sorely lacking for years. Devin Booker is finally in that position to take that next step. So, like I say, no matter who comes out of there, they should be able to take in the first round. Utah, you just don't know. I'm sorry. Like, I want to be more excited about them, but I'm I'm not. Mm Mm-hmm. And then looking at the rest of the bracket, the Clippers against Dallas. Listen, if Luka is not on point for Dallas, they'll be one and done. Mm-hmm. I fully think so. The Clippers, as inconsistent as they are, it's still Kawhi Leonard. It's still Paul George. True. So you know you're going to get something out of them. And then I'm not down to a 6-3 upset. No, game time in the playoffs. Don't sleep on it. No, definitely not. And Denver has had its fair share of injuries as well. So, yeah. I mean, you can't honestly sit there and say – Oh, well, this is how it's going to play out. No, I fully, yeah. I think that you will have a 6-3 upset there. Yeah, now that matchup's going to be fun. And then the one I'm really looking forward to is whoever ends up playing Phoenix in that first round. If it's the Lakers, if it's the Warriors, I don't care. We're getting a best of whatever it ends up being between the two teams, and that's going to be fun. Oh, it'll be fun. Like I think, I think the Lakers ultimately take that game. I just don't think that the Warriors are built for it this year. I think they'll bounce back next year. 
I think Probably. they'll be. I think they'll be in very better shape next year. Probably, but for right now, no. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that. I, yeah. I just I don't see it happening. And like I say, that's probably the biggest wild card of anything right yeah. there. Let's say like it's not like years past where it's kind of have top two three teams. You're like, all right, yeah, they'll, one of these guys are going to end up in the in the conference finals this year. You don't really know. No, there's no clear. There's no clear. It's not like the Lakers last year. Where it's like, yeah, they're the class of the West. Everybody else <laughs> lockstep behind them. Mm-hmm. It's really wide open. No, it completely is. And I mean, to flip the coin to the East. Listen, I'm going to go out on a record here. Brooklyn needs to win. And go to the finals. They need to win the whole damn thing. They don't need to just go to the finals. They need to win the whole damn thing. See, I, I don't think they're going to win the finals, but I agree with you. They have to get there because I will go out on a limb and say this. If they get to the second round, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm sure they will. I don't care who's coming out between Indiana, Charlotte, Boston, Washington, however it flips and gets set up that way. It doesn't matter to me. Brooklyn is getting out of the first round. Well, they, they play uh, either Boston or Washington, whoever wins that game. Right. So they're they'll, gonna, they'll run through them. They're going to run through them. That's why I said like it doesn't even matter. And like I say, looking at the brackets too, it's how they even have it broken down is very confusing. Watching the 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 screenshot here, but Brooklyn's going to run through them. That's that's the yeah. overall thing. It just it doesn't matter. And I would even say the same thing in the East too, uh, with Philly being the number one seed. Yeah, your playing games don't matter. No. Your teams are not built for that run. Those two teams are Doc Rivers and the job he's done with Philly, tremendous. Mm-hmm. So that being said, you got to look at the second rounds. Now, I'm going to say this without being a homer pick. I'm taking the Knicks over Atlanta. Okay. I think that legitimately Tom Thibodeau is going to have the guys going. Randall's playing like an MVP. And I think that there's a new energy for the Knicks that we have not seen in many, many years. I know Coach and I go on about this rants all the time. But let's be very honest about this. They go on. And they're going to take Atlanta out, who I think Atlanta is good and up and coming, but I don't see enough on the table that is really making me go, okay, these guys are going to be a threat to move forward. Well, and the other thing, too, is the Garden uh, now, uh, New York, for those who don't know, uh, is lifting its mask mandate, uh, as was announced by Governor Cuomo uh, yesterday. That lifts on Wednesday. Uh, He did say uh, yesterday on Twitter, quote, congratulations to the New York Knicks and Brooklyn Nets on making the playoffs. At playoff games, at least 50% of seating will be for vaccinated people. In unvaccinated section, masks and social distancing will be required. Teams can decide how much of stadium will be a vaccinated section. The garden's going to be fucking jammed. Yeah. As much as they can. That place is going to be rocking. Like, they're going to get a firm foundation test on that place when that game gets going. Facts. (laughs) To put it very, very mildly, facts. Because when Randall and company hit the floor. Uh-huh. For the biggest crowd they will have played at at home all year. Yes. And they're going to feed off that crowd. Because, listen, from somebody that has gone to the Garden for the playoffs, it is a whole different energy that you cannot describe. hmm And it doesn't matter if it's the Rangers or the Knicks. It's a whole different vibe when it's playoffs. The vibe is just a little louder when it's the Knicks. Because, well, yeah. It's, yeah, it's insane. So, Atlanta, I wish you good luck. Yeah, you're, you're going to need all the luck with that crowd because that crowd's going to be something else. But I just don't think you guys are going to do it. Like, I think the Knicks are going to win the series outright. I don't think it's going to be a, a easy sweep by no, any means. No. I see it going about six games. It's gonna, They're going to scrap. I think it's going to be about six games, but I think that they ultimately do it. I just think that they're built for this now. The big X factor I have, though, on the board, though, yeah, 
that 3-6 again. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee with Giannis. Yeah. And this, you have to sit there if you're the Milwaukee brass and go, what else can we do with this team? They have to win now. Uh-huh. There is no other team in the NBA that has as much pressure on them. Not even Brooklyn. No. Not even Brooklyn as much as Milwaukee does. Milwaukee has to win this year. Otherwise, mark my words, they're going to blow up the team. Yeah, let's say if Milwaukee don't win this year, Giannis is gone. Oh, yeah. He is as good as gone. And it's a shame to say because Milwaukee has tried building a winner around him. I fully believe that. I don't think that they haven't gone that route to give him the players around to really make a deep run. But you're getting to this point where it's put up or shut up. And if your current team is not going to do the job, you need to do it. Yeah, no, you've had arguably one of the best players in the NBA for I don't know how many years now. Mm-hmm. And you've not won shit with him. Now I get some of those were bad years. He didn't really have anybody around him. He's got people around him. Yeah. Now. He should be set to make a run in that in that conference and make a run to the playoffs. Let's face it. Whoever he if let's just say hypothetical, Milwaukee makes it to the NBA finals. Whoever makes it out of that West ain't exactly going on a hundred percent. No. If if somehow the Lakers are somehow able to run the table and get there, LeBron ain't at 100%. He's even said himself, you know, with his ankle injury, he doesn't know if his ankle will ever be 100% again. So you're not dealing with a 100% LeBron. Nobody in that West scares me going up against Milwaukee. Yeah. It's like if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? And that's that's the overall line with Milwaukee. They have to win now. Unfortunately, they have Miami yeah. in that first round. And Jimmy yeah. Butler and company, oh, they're going to want to go back. They're going to want to make a deep run. And mark my words, too. If Miami faces Brooklyn, right? It I'm taking Miami over them. I wouldn't sleep on them. Because Miami is going to come in a lot hungrier than Brooklyn is. I think Brooklyn's going to show up. Don't get it oh, wrong. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. And that, game will, that series will go seven. Uh, yeah, yeah. But Miami will scrap with them. If Milwaukee gets there and it's Milwaukee-Brooklyn, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll be honest. I think Milwaukee is too streaky for words, and I just don't know what you're going to get out of it. With the Knicks, too, I think once they get past the first round, and trust me, when they get out of the first round, that's going to be all you see on New York media. Mm-hmm. Like Brooklyn could win the chip, and it's not going to even matter. The Knicks were in the playoffs and made a run. Yep. That's all everybody's going to be talking about. Do they have enough to beat Philly? Maybe. A couple lucky bounces, yeah. I mean, I think that that one's going to be a fight, too, because it's a whole different culture for the Knicks. I mean, ultimately, if I have to make my early predictions about who gets out of here, boy, I don't know. I wish I could say. I got a feeling it's going to be Phoenix, mm-hmm. and I got a feeling it could be Miami. Okay. I'll go on a bold prediction. Well, of course, I would say if the Knicks get there, trust me, I'll be extremely happy. Yeah. But I'm a realist about this. So, but you have any final predictions on this, Pat? I'm going to say Milwaukee and the Clippers. Okay. Have a, have a defensive matchup. I'd love to see that. We've, we've had some high-scoring ones over the last couple of years. Let's have a defensive one. Yeah, I definitely would be down for that. I know Coach Duffy is already saying it's the Knicks and anybody, but you know what? Let's be realistic. Be, oh, yeah, be realistic about it. I mean, the Knicks are a player away, which now the culture has changed enough that— say they might actually be attractive to go to. Yeah, and I will say this. I mean, we always joke about Giannis. If he doesn't get the job done in New York, or, I mean, Milwaukee, yeah. would they move some players around yeah, to do it? As Dolan don't fuck it up. Yeah, I know. You already did a job with the Rangers. I, I don't want to. I don't want to go through it again. It was already tough this time around. But that's the fun of the NBA. Is we yeah. won't know until we get to game time. Obviously, the playoffs kick off tonight. Hit us up on that hashtag hashtag ODPHPod. 
What are your predictions for the NBA Finals? We've given you ours. Maybe we'll get lucky if Coach Duffy is back uh, in the tri-state area. He can give us his picks on a blog. We'll have to wait and see. But we want to know yours. Who are you taking to win the chip in the NBA playoffs? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without. Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And we have a local minute, we got to say. Yeah, we do. Got to mention, shout out the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. A season still ongoing. All, admittedly, start of the season. Not good. No. Uh, they're currently 1 in 10 uh, and in last place in their division, which is not good. But uh, got to give a shout out to them because their first win, I think, can be attributed to the luck brought by one Brian Wolf. Hey. Who, who you, you know and love if you've been in the 607 area and you hear his music every week on the show. Uh, attended his first game of the season uh, this past, I believe it was on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to a game on Sunday and the Ponies happened to win their first game of the season. So, Brian, you're not allowed to leave the state of New York and you have to go to every home Ponies game. I think he'd be okay with that. Uh, did a phenomenal job, too, at Ransom Steel Tavern, too. Yeah. Definitely shout him out about that as well. Yeah, so and uh, back with the Rebel Ponies looking at their schedule this week. Uh, they ha- are playing away at Erie all this week and return home to play Akron uh, for the next series uh, the following week. More information, bingrp.com. Right on. So let's round these bases and take the show home, Pad. What you got? Got something to talk about. Baseball, but it's baseball and documentary related. And I saw this news and I went, oh, holy shit, yes, give this to me now. Okay. Uh, reading from an article from si.com, uh, quote, ESPN Films has announced a new six-part documentary series that will profile former Yankee star Derek Jeter. Uh, the film, currently titled The Captain, is set for a 2022 release. According to the film's release, the series will tell the story of one of the greatest icons of modern sports and reveal the man behind the icon. The documentary series will use Jeter's journey as a vessel to tell a larger cultural story that explores race, family, community, rivalries, and more. The heartbeat of the project is candid access to the man who helped restore shine to a team, a city, and a culture. Close quote. The film is being executive produced by Spike Lee, Mike Tallinn, uh, Mandalay Sports Media, XL Media, and Connor Shell in association with the Players' Tribune and Major League Baseball. Emmy winner Randy Wilkins will serve as its director. Uh, yeah, so give this to me now. If it's anything like The Last Dance we saw with Michael Jordan, which the producers behind The Last Dance are working on this as well, mm-hmm. this is going to be amazing. Sign me up. I'm all I'm all here for this. So definitely super excited about it. Yeah. And like, honestly. Can't come soon enough. No, definitely can't come soon enough. And you know. If they delve into anything with A-Rod and Jeter, yo. I, I was going to say, that's going to be fireworks right there. Woo-hoo. That's going to be absolutely insane. You thought the stuff with Rodman was nuts in the last dance? Wait, wait till you hear the backstory with Jeter and A-Rod. Yo, not even ready for it. Not even ready. 
Well, quick, quickly, I got a couple things. Now, one, Stanley Cup playoffs are going on, and since the Rangers are not in there, uh, we anyone really, but the Capitals. Yeah, anybody but the Capitals and the Penguins. Yes, so we're not really rooting for anybody in the East. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there right now, except Tampa Bay. I don't mind them because they're like Rangers South. Yeah, that's not wrong. But according to NHL.com, here's how the brackets are winding up for your run to Lord Stanley's Cup. Colorado is up one nothing in their series against St. Louis. Okay. Minnesota's up one nothing in their series against those Vegas Golden Knights. Toronto and Montreal have not played yet, and neither has Edmonton against Winnipeg. Okay. Flipping over those Capitals that Pad mentioned, well, they're in the playoffs against Boston. Fuck them. This is like the less of two evils here. Can we so. have them both knocked out? Because I don't like Boston either. They're currently tied one nothing. But you know what? This is the problem. When the winner of that is going to face the winner of the Islanders and the Penguins. Ugh. So it's like the Ugh. Islanders by default. No. I know. Like I can't willingly no. I can't willingly get down with it. But you know, they're up one nothing against Pittsburgh, so I guess anybody but Crosby I'm cool with. And then Carolina is up one nothing over those Nashville Predators. Go and, go whoever wins that series. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I don't really struggle with that one as as much. And Tampa Bay is up one nothing on Florida. So definitely stay tuned to that NHL.com for more information about it. We will be kind of chiming in here and there. But honestly, like when the Rangers aren't in, I'm just not they engaged. It's all blue shirt nation or nothing. When with the me. Rangers aren't in, that means I get to keep years on my life. Yes, because trust me, they've taken a good seven or eight off mine, at least that I know of. And to close out, we did get a press release from our friends over at AEW. Uh-huh. So they are going to be partnering with Cinemark Theaters to host Double or Nothing pay-per-view events at select theaters on May 30th. That'd be cool. So for, if you're interested about watching their next big pay-per-view going on, definitely check your local Cinemark Theaters. If it, That'd be cool, especially if it's on a uh, giant screen. Yeah, they're going to be doing a giant screen oh. purchase. Okay. According to the press release, and I will quote, building on a successful partnership, All Elite Wrestling is once again teaming with Cinemark theaters to showcase the upcoming double or nothing pay-per-view events in live select theaters on sunday may 30th beginning at 7 p.m eastern standard time fans around the country can experience the energy of double or nothing on the giant screen by purchasing tickets for 20 dollars at sinmark.com or on the sinmark app imax screen imax sound yeah that's a pretty good deal so if you're interested about doing that definitely head on over to sinmark.com that's a cool thing to do if you're going to be watching wrestling yeah definitely Uh, unique too yeah we will have a little more to deep dive in on that pay-per-view next week so we're going to hold off on that but definitely Definitely something to check out if you are into all elite wrestling. So definitely thank you to them for sending us the press release. But that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is out of Brian Wolf. Now, we already talked about Brian came down to see the Rumble Ponies. This is true. He played a little live show on at Ransom Seal Tavern, tore the house down. Very cool show. He was doing, played a lot of new music. Oh. So, Fair City Fire is on indefinite hold, and he has a new project in the works. He heard a couple new songs. Definitely like it, I heard. Pat, if I want to know more about Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. You can find out everything going on with Brian, and he verified all the accounts for us too so that is the latest and up to date because he's a busy man and be sure to hit him up to do that nickelback cover album yes i even mentioned that to him again and he was like i swear to god kind of you even yelled that out when my show so i'm gonna run off stage uh you can also check out our friend tom jolu whose new single which you've heard on the odph mm-hmm. is dropping this friday on all streaming platforms if i read the press release correctly but Better yet, Tom is going to be swinging by the ODPH studios next week for a special edition. Going to fill us in on everything going on with the new album. Super excited to see Tom come in. We might have a surprise guest or two, so definitely have to stay tuned for that. Definitely want to shout out Second Suitor. 
yard party who we have not forgotten about that interview. There's something in the works, too. So I was talking to the gentleman from them, too. So I don't want to tease too much. But if the stars align, we got something big planned for them in the summer. Definitely shout out Floodlands and all the great bands you hear on the ODPH. You can also swing by the directory, which has friends of the show, organizational link support, and Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups we are in. If you're hearing the buzzing going on during the podcast, that is because it's the apocalypse chiming in. It's the inner circle. If it is Tuesday, you swing on over to ARR Radio on Twitter. And you jump in the pod lift and you find your new favorite podcast today because the Podolifts is represent every week on there. Definitely want to plug them out. Shout out to our guy, Brian Wayne, and cheers to comics. And definitely you can check out our friends over at 607 Podcast as well. Rich, Ron, Mike C, and of course, Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, bad. Oh, Lord. Everything going on with them can be found at 8122productions.com. And you can find also on the webpage, and I cannot stress enough about this event, going on this Wednesday, twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. No, it is twitch.tv slash live stream for the cure. It is kicking off Wednesday night. So you definitely want to go. The link is right there on the front page of the ODPH website. You can go and check out all the amazing content creators, starting off with our guys over at Pinta Comics. They're going to be kicking the event off and going through Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The team from 607 Podcast, Rich and myself, are going to be talking some 80s pro wrestling. The good, bad, and the what the F is going to be an amazing time, Pad. Oh. Early donations can be made right now for the Cancer Research Institute. That's what this is all for, to raise money for a future immune to cancer. So I cannot stress enough about this event. You've been hearing it, the commercials all through the podcast during the weeks. You've been seeing the promotional stuff going on our social media. This is an amazing event that we are very proud to be a part of. So shout out to Nick from Nikolai's Kitchen, Justin from Epic Film Guys, and everybody else involved with the event. Go crush it this week, and let's go crush that goal of $15,000. We raised it last year. We're going to come back for more this year. I hadn't even started already over $1,000. Yes, and everybody's been donating into, and it's a truly an amazing event to be a part of. Like For being content creators, doing something on this level is truly something special, and to see everybody donate their time to raise money to say, fuck you, cancer, is amazing, and we're so proud to be a part of it. Because seriously, fuck cancer. Fuck cancer all day, every fucking day. All of that and so much more, odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Fuck cancer. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.